standing against the wall. Your shooter, excuse me, rooster, unholstered his firearm in an old man because he thought he heard the old man say something odd? It seems like Rooster is becoming a bit frayed at the edges. Was he becoming a liability? How did the others feel? The G-Man's rapid questions seem uncharacteristic of him and reminiscent of the previous interviewer for a brief moment. I sip my coffee, waiting for the barrage of questions to end as I blink slowly. Something about the change in his tone feels odd but I don't have the brain power to examine it right now. I'm sorry, I just... <clears throat> I'm just excited to hear what happens next. The G-Man glances at the mirror, and his throat tightens briefly as if he's in pain. It's alright. I glance at the mirror as well, my eyes narrowing a little. I still have no idea who's back there, listening to and recording everything I say, but if he's afraid of them... I can't help but wonder about the fate of the other interviewer. He pointed a gun at the old man because the old man said the name of his sister correctly when Rooster hadn't told him that. The rest? Well, we'll get there in due time. You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast. When we last left our agents, Rooster has drawn a 45 at a little old man in a stationery store in Mustang, Arizona. Rooster, your gun is trained on this old man. His eyes have grown wide and he's shaking, visibly shaking. His, his hand is still on the get well card and he's not moving, but he's looking at you. I'm going to look him dead in those fishy eyes and say... I never told you my sister's name. You have one chance. Explain. Yes, you did. You're running out of time. He really didn't. Yeah, yeah, yes, he did. You can't really shoot an old man in a store. And then you see the card drops from his hand. Like, his fingers kind of twitch a little bit. Like, they're starting to move just a little bit, and he, and he, like, scratches his pinky with his with his thumb, and his hand drops a little bit. Then he drops. He drops to the ground, and it sounds like he's making a snoring sound. Everyone roll your first aid that has it. Oh, good, I get to check the first aid again. Gosh. I think that's the first time I've tried. Well, I failed. An 89 again. I got a 41 out of 30. 64 out of 12. 22 out of 30. He's having a heart attack. Fuck. With the 22, you could jump into action and start chest compressions if you want. You know the thing to do. Do you do it? Oh good, I'm not the one who has to make the horrible call now. Yes, because he can't answer questions if he's dead. And I also want a chance to get hands on this person and see if his anatomy is different with a legitimate reason to do so. All right. You start chest compressions and you get to work on it. The world fades out, narrows in on, on this man. You remember your training. You remember the beats per second that you need to hit. Rowan starts barking out orders in her focus of what to do, telling you guys to get back, 
giving this guy orders to, you know, lay down and she's verbalizing all of her training. Before starting compressions, I would have looked at Quinn and said, call 911 before starting in on that. Oh, I'm going to be looking for the automated defibrillator, which I know is supposed to be in here somewhere. Yeah, and I do actually want to get his shirt open in preparation for an AED showing up because I'm ticking through all the boxes in my head. I'm putting my gun away and going into the back and nosing. River, sadly, you do not see any type of defib unit in this little boutique stationery store. Rowan, you open up his shirt and he has paper-thin skin, but it has a bit of an oily texture to it. You begin the chest compressions, you look for the sternum, you find it. And as you push, you notice that because he's old and his skin kind of hangs, the skin gives way between each rib just a little bit. All right. Following an instinct, I'm going to reach down and peel one of the little folds up. I've been fishing with my family. I know what gills look like, at least on fish. It might be. There's a thin membrane underneath it. It's not as though that it's, you know, like a clear hole. Um, It might have grown over or there might be a breathable membrane there. But this guy has gills. Give me a sanity check. Yeah, that's fair. 26 out of 56. All right. You hold on your shit. You're pretty good. You continue on with your chest compressions. I will look up at Quinn at that point and be like, wait, don't call. Put the phone down. And I'll point out, well... Maybe not. But I will say, this is one of the weird ones. Gwen kind of just shakes her head. Yeah, I think we already knew that. (laughs) Well, it's nice to have the confirmation. So, Rooster, what are you looking for? I don't expect to find the reason he knew Jenna's name. That I most certainly did not say, whatever he tried to say. But I um, do want to look and see... I don't know, anything that looks like it shouldn't be a stationary store thing. Anything fishy or besides him or nautical themed or, I don't know, documents or anything useful. I don't know what I'm looking for. So you might have missed it earlier. There is a nautical and sea theme to this entire place and all of the knickknacks. I thought you said there are some. I didn't realize they all were. It's the vast, vast majority. You occasionally see a uh, cactus here or there, but it's the very New England oceanside cottage type of thing. I'm wondering if there's a tank somewhere in this building. Yeah, that's a good point. Is there a quote-unquote fish tank anywhere back here? So you go behind the counter. There is a separate room, like an office. In the office, there is a pretty good-sized fish tank in there. Not a human-sized fish tank. It's filled with a bunch of fish going back and forth. There is a reef at the bottom. There is a, like a statue on the bottom. Give me a sanity roll. God damn it. Wait. Wait. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best, well, best reaction to a sanity roll. It's an unnatural sanity roll, so and you only do lose one point as you see a statue of Dagon, very similar to one of the paintings, but this is much more primitive. Can I shove that sanity off on Jenna? Because I feel like that's the appropriate bond to suffer right now. Yep, you can certainly go ahead and send that bond over there. And remind me, I lose the one from her. Do I also lose a willpower or something? Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, this, there's a statue of Dagon, and you pass that along to your bond with Jen, and you do lose a point of willpower. 
Is this a fresh or a salt water tank? Give me a science roll. Oh, I don't think I need to. Do you have any science? No, I don't. Can I put a check on a zero? <laughs> I don't think so. Give me an intelligence roll. Uh, do I need to? I would like you to. Actually, I have... You asked a question and... <laughs> no, I would say it was joking. It's like, uh, I don't think I need to make an intelligence roll. I do not need to make an intelligence roll. What did you roll? An 85 out of 50. Okay, but you do get to put a check mark in science, but it will only go up by one. Dan is house ruling this because I don't like the idea that you can't roll things that have zero. Now, some things make sense. Basic science, I know you failed it, but you could learn from it. Right now, Rooster's just like, what is water? <laughs> <laughs> I was honestly just waiting for him to stick a finger in and taste it to see if it tasted salty. No. That was a picture be, I had in my head, too. I might be dumb, but I'm not stupid. You have no clue. You see tiny little fish kind of floating around. Are there shrimp? No. Rooster, did you find anything useful? I found a fish tank. It's got a really cool statue in here you probably shouldn't look at. Oh, one of those? It's ugly. Would he fit in there? The statue? Yeah. No, it's in there. the old guy. You said it wasn't human-sized. Is it old guy-sized? He could fit in there with creative yoga, <laughs> but he would not be able to get in. I don't think so. So, I think Quinn has locked the front door. Oh, good thought. <laughs> and she wants to rush to, yeah, back of the store, see if there's anything she can find personal of his. Is there heart medication? Is there a giant tank that maybe he needs to go into every now and then? Go ahead, give me a luck roll. Rowan, go ahead and give me a constitution roll. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Mm -hmm. I think everyone here knows how exhausting that is. Yeah, it is. Uh, 45 out of 50. Okay. You're still going. You're you're going well, but it's it's kind of rough. Breathing hard and definitely just like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't remember how luck works, but I got a 64. It's a fail. It's a 50-50 check, unless I give you a bonus. You don't find any heart medication for this guy. You do see his name. Uh, you do see some paperwork, some mail. His address is the street right behind. His name is Albert Marl Marsh. <laughs> She'll see that and just look back at the old man. Well, we've met a marsh here. A marsh? Tell me it's not Albert Marsh, please. Um, Albemarle. So either a changed name or a descendant, I would guess. Rowan, you're still pumping. And honestly, I'm hyper-focused. At one of the breakpoints, you check for vitals. It's very weak. At that breakpoint, you could tell he might go into cardiac arrest again. But right now... His heart is beating very faintly. Okay, I'm going to keep my fingers on his carotid artery and sit back on my heels a little bit to catch my breath because you're not supposed to continue compressions after you've got the heart started again. Just like breathing hard, just... What did you find? Ugly statue, fish tank, don't look at it. And Quinn will just bring over a piece of the mail. Marsh. Albemarle, was that one of Dumbledore's relatives? Maybe. This guy needs medical attention. He needs professional medical attention now. Are we gonna... We can call 911. We can go next door and see if they can help. Or we can let him die. There's a fourth option. 
Quinn, are there any keys in this place? She'll rush back to behind the counter and try to look for those. Um, you do see a uh, key ring, yes. If he's one of the deep ones, he probably has a tank in his house and the address is very near here. Someone go check his house. Someone that isn't me and I can have plausible deniability. Okay. I'll go. So you're gonna head, who's, who's running, who's going to the house? Are we doing one, are we doing two, or are we doing three? Buddy system. Yeah. I will go to the house. Who else will go with you? I should probably go. Yeah. We had in the in the previous uh, mm-hmm. arc that, that the two military people, but now it's the two people who can shoot. That exactly. That it was the people who probably can't. <laughs> I can shoot better. You can use a shotgun at close range. Yes, you can. You guys make it to the house. It is a small cinder block construction house. You try the keys on the, the metal gate on the outside. One of them opens it. You find another key, opens the deadbolt inside. And inside the house, the smell of fish is just overwhelming. It's as though someone has left a can of tuna out. Nice part, though, is there's air conditioning in here, blowing around the fish smell. I'm going to look at him and go, I don't think I'm getting another shrimp burrito. Not today. Um, how big is this place? The house is about maybe four or 500 square feet. It's fairly small. You walk into one room. It's set up like four rooms. There's a small living room that you've walked into. To your left, you see that there's a bedroom. Off the bedroom, there is a bathroom. And then there is a kitchen and utility area where there's a washer and dryer and those type of things. It's a very small, simple home. Okay, I just want to do a really quick glance into each room. During all of this, the holster on my gun is uh, unsnapped. But something about it, I'm not being as strictly paranoid as I normally would be. In the living room, you see that there's stacks of magazines piled up. There's a older tube-style television. There is a can of sardines sitting next to a Lazy Boy. And in the kitchen, you see that there is a large wash basin. There is a uh, clothing washer, an older-style fridge, those type of things. Bedroom. It's just a typical old man's bedroom. You see there's pictures of of family up on the wall. There's a picture of what looks like him and his wife on the the nightstand next to a phone with an alarm clock. In the bathroom, you see that there is a very large clawfoot tub with a medical step, like a medical uh, stepladder to go up and in. And then there's a small little uh, step bench, if you will, in the clawfoot tub as well. On the wall, there is a pretty large bracket. So you think he uses that to get in and out of the tub. Is the tub full? The tub is not full. I want to take a quick look around the bathroom. Are there like bath salts or anything that like he might pour into there? Yes, actually, there is a very large jar of Epsom salts. There's actually one empty container, and then there is a larger one there as well. That's half empty. And there is a scoop in there. Okay. I'm going to start filling the tub. All right. You turn it on, and the water spurts and spits and comes out in our lovely area of Arizona. Especially during this time, there is no such thing as cold water. Tepid water comes out of cold. It starts to fill it. Warm is probably best, but uh, okay. I'll tell Rooster this is the best we've got. Uh, go tell them they can bring him over if we want to try this. And then I'll I'll get out my phone and try to search how much salt there is in ocean water. You want to check, and is the water coming out fresh water? It's tap water. Okay. That's a very good question and a fair assumption. No, this is just tap water. Go ahead and give me a science environmental roll. 31 success. Excellent. Well, the salinity in, in oceans is different. What area do you want to find? New England. All right. 
So you find the appropriate percentage and you add it. Take the scoop, you eyeball it because it, it doesn't have any measurements on the scoop, but you eyeball it and just get a good guess because you've got a pretty good spatial recognition on that. And now you put in the salt. Rooster, are you gonna, just going to head out or are you going to check out this place or will you just stand at the door? I wanted to check out the place. Okay. Um, you said there were pictures of the family nearby. Yes. Do I recognize any of them? Are any of them the teenagers? No, they are not. Thinking, wondering what else I should be looking for here that I'm not thinking of. No, that's fair. You do see that the kids in the family, the pictures of him, he's standing much more upright. Obviously, he hunched over as he got older. His kids kind of look fairly normal. His daughter, her eyes look particularly large with the glasses that she wears because it amplifies the size of her eyes. It's almost a point of being a, a cute look for her. Very large eyes with very large glasses as a little kid. Yeah, so do any of the family members look fishy? The daughter looks vaguely fishy. The son, not so much. He is wearing a UMass Amherst sweatshirt, though. Okay, of course he is. Besides that, I don't know what else I'd be looking for. Okay. I am going to look at those sardines and go, isn't that cannibalism? And then go back to the store. All right, so you head over to the store. Um, you going in the back door or the front door? The back door. That's where I came out. You guys inside, you hear the bell from the door, like ding, ding, from the back door as the door opens up. And as soon as that happens, he loses his pulse again. Son of a... Go right back into it. I've caught my breath at this point. You have. Can we move him? Not yet. Well, we've got a bathtub that's filling up with water and whatever salts he had in there. We can't take him to a hospital. He has gills. That's going to raise a lot of questions. He has gills? He has gills. Of course he has gills. Okay. Why the fuck wouldn't he have gills? Exactly. Why wouldn't a marsh have gills? Yep. And just keep working, doing it the... The compressions? Doing what I've been trained to do. You need me to take over? I got it for now. Tell me when. I know how tiring that is. Yeah, got it. His, his pulse comes back again faint. Very faint. Check. All right, Rooster, now move him. Pick him up. Pick him up and you carry him. He's not heavy at all. And I think you are quite strong enough to oh, yeah. handle it. Yeah, you haul ass. You get back to the house. River, the water has gotten up to a respectable level without taking into account buoyancy and, and whatnot. You know, when we drop him in, it should not overflow. Okay, yeah. I mean, when I think once it's full enough, I'll shut it off. Rooster comes barreling in, nearly knocks you aside, and uh, Rooster, are you just going to drop him in, or...? I'm actually going to look at Rowan, and I go, do I just drop him in? I mean, you don't drop him. Set him in carefully, without splashing everywhere. He's old, for goodness sake. Okay, I'll put him in gently without splashing everywhere, because he's old, for goodness sake, and then step back and draw my gun again. I'll be next to it, to the tub, helping support him so that his lower, so that he's in the water from the shoulders down so that his human head is above water just in case he needs that to breathe. But the gills are under the, I can smell the salt water. Yeah, yes you can. This whole house is just assailing my senses and I'm just like, nope, 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 not right now. And what is Quinn doing? Quinn will look back at Rooster and just say, do you think that's really necessary? Are you sure it's not? This man is on the brink of death. I'm not really sure what he can do to us. Yeah, 
I'm not so sure that's a man anymore, or ever was, and I don't know how easily they survive or die. I'm gonna lean on safety this time. River and Rowan, you're both looking in at this man in the tub. You do see his skin lift a little bit in the buoyancy in the water, like the foals lift. Give me a sanity roll for both of you. 13 out of 56. 87. You both see that there is a breathing going on in his chest and water is being drawn into his chest through his gills as they open up a little bit and then close. And his breathing gets a little bit stronger. Wait, it's breathing. He's breathing underwater. He has gills. River, go ahead and roll me 1d4, please. No joy. Two. Two. So you get two unnatural. There's nothing to, to adapt to with unnatural. As you see that he is breathing through his chest, through the gills in his chest, and his neck. Yeah, I'm going to reach out and check his pulse as I see him breathing better. It's still not good. His eyes kind of like flutter a little bit. They get all watery. It looks as though that he's kind of scanning the area and his eyes lay on you as you're closest to him. And there's this depth of sadness in there. You can just see it in his face. Just to be clear, was I also losing sanity on that? Yes, you did. You lost four points. Uh, Can I put that on a bond? You can. So you do pass that along, gather sanity, and his eyes are looking horribly sad at Rowan. And he blinks a few times, and you can kind of see a little bit of cataracts in each of the eyes. It's a deep look, and you see the, the light starting to fade. It gets softer, but the light is fading in his eyes. Rowan's going to take off her glasses and meet his eyes directly. His eyes open up, his pupils open up exceptionally large, very large. And then you see his life force just pass, and the breathing stops in the water. Before you start, what was I supposed to do? No, I'm not starting anything. Put my glasses on. I don't think I would have done any different. As far as we know, he was about to have a heart attack anyway. You might have just made it a little bit earlier. Good. I'm glad we agree. So we leave. Everybody was careful what they touched, right? Wipe the place and get out. Quinn actually, I think she actually left the room as soon as she noticed that he passed. There was probably a shift in Rowan's body language that we all knew he was gone. And she just kind of shook her head and left the room. She's going to try to look around. I mean, really, she's just trying to distract her mind, but try to look around the house, make sure there's nobody else who lives here. And there is a jewelry box that catches your eye. It has the name Emma on it. And it looks like there's a two or three mast ship in brass or bronze as a a plaque, if you will, applied to the jewelry box. She'll look down at that. And then I think curiosity gets the better of her she'll try to find some cloth or take the edge of her shirt or something try to open up the box um you open up the box and inside there's a mirror and you see that there's a bunch of rings and a bunch of jewelry after a moment or so a music starts like a music box if it came on suddenly like it probably would have startled her enough for it to fall close so it stays up unless you actually actively close it okay And the music, you've never heard this tune before. It starts off very quiet and kind of builds. So it wasn't as startling because it kind of built into it. And it just goes as this cute music box song. Hang on. Do I recognize this song? 
You do recognize this song. Okay, then I close the music box. Okay. Rowan kind of just kind of goes into almost a trance state and says three words or three things. You know what they are, Rowan? Aya, Dagan, Aya. That's correct. As soon as River slams down the box, I mean, Quinn kind of jumps back a little. Kind of startles everyone. Yeah, it gives him, like, a puzzled look. Aya, Dagan, Aya. No, we're not there anymore. I look at Rowan. Are we all in the room at this point? I'm still back at the bathtub. I didn't leave. This house is so big that you're all technically kind of in the same room. It's a very small home. So everyone could hear it. Everyone can kind of feel each other's presences. I want to look at Rowan and just give kind of that inquisitive, are you going to snap kind of look. Like, what's going on in there? Rowan, you actually feel calm. Hmm. Am I present? Yes, you feel present, you feel calm, and it was your reaction to it was almost involuntary. That might be disturbing to you. A little bit, but... But you don't feel on edge. Like, settle back on my heels and look at my hands, which are perfectly steady. And then look up at Rooster. I'm good. Good. Surprisingly, I'm good. Can we get out of here now? Quinn says, wait a minute. I couldn't call 911 because you didn't want the EMTs to see gills. Do you want police and coroners to see them? These people aren't going to call the police. Whoever finds him, yeah. Something tells me this whole frickin' town. That's what I'm beginning to think as well. That this town is heavily inhabited by, if not completely inhabited by, people who escaped. I thought only one person escaped. Give it enough time. It hasn't been that long to create a whole community from one person. I suppose it depends on what happened to the ones who went to New Mexico. True. There's a dog barking outside. Alright, time to go. Rooster, have a look. See if there's someone outside. There's one door in and out. I'm going to very surreptitiously try and kind of do the peek through the blinds thing. Um, you peek through the blinds and you see that there is, looks like a wild dog that's walked around and is now barking at your car. Fuck. I'll look back. There's a wild dog barking in our car. I think we should go. Like, really, I think we should go. I want to see if there's anything here. This is our only shot at doing that. I get that, but... A person this old keeps a journal. I get what you're saying, but... Quinn's already rifling through things. Photos, you, trying to get names of the children. Yeah, I will, I will look for any personal journals, logs, correspondence. I'm going to look at my watch and go, all right, two minutes and we're gone. Fine. And I'm going to go back over to that jewelry box, brace myself and open it. Okay. Because there's something in there that's important. Or at least I think there is. The important thing that you find in here, you find a wedding band, and on it, it's just a a basic, you know, silver wedding band. On the inside, it looks as though that it's been worn thin, but you can kind of make out the name uh, Albermarle and then Emma on the inside. That was the important thing for him. Quinn is rifling through things. The son's name is William, and the daughter's name is Ada. You find a picture of William at graduation at UMass Amherst, and you see a letter from Ada that is postmarked Welshland in California. Does she get a sense of how old the kids are? Is the graduation photo dated, for example? He would be in his mid-30s, and you think that she would be in her early 20s? 
pretty big age gap. And he had kids late. And you do see that Ada has a different last name. Yes, it's not Marsh. You might think that she might have been married. Um, the last name is spelled L-A-M-M. Lamb. Okay. I mean, Quinn's just going to take that and the photo. She figures it doesn't matter. And she doesn't have anything to write down notes anyways, and we're, we're trying to get out there quickly. Uh, oh, River, you found a, uh, you did find a journal. It's Emma's journal. She has, like, ten of them this size. So it's about, uh, what's that, four by six with maybe 200 pages? I'm going to look at him and say, just take them. We gotta go. Okay. Since I always wear cargo pants, I've got lots of packets. I'm going to stuff as many as I can in my pockets and hold the rest. Yeah, I think we would also see him doing that. So if we had free hands, we would grab them too. Or free pockets. I mean, I have capris on and I would I would be looking for pockets when I get pants. My cargo pockets are full. I know they are. So yes, but your capris have real pockets or are they fake pockets? Rowan looks for real pockets when she buys clothes. <laughs> We've discussed this. This sounds like basically every woman I know. Or femme person, I should say. Excuse me. So yeah, she she definitely takes like two of them probably and sticks them in, in her pockets. And you guys head out wiping down afterward? Yes, and looking around to see if anyone is observing us. All right, who's doing the wipe down? I'll go wipe down in the bathroom because I remember where I, what I touched there. Give me a criminology roll. 50 is right on. Excellent. I consider if you roll if you roll the exact thing a critical success as well. That's a good house rule. I like that one. I took it from Pendragon. I want to go wipe the doorknob. River has gone through and he's walking backward, dusting everything clean. Oh, okay, cool. I don't need to then. I like this. As we step out of the house, I want to look around to see if anyone is paying attention to that dog barking or to us as we come out. Because... When you all step out of the door, the dog stops barking and just looks at you and kind of walks sideways away from the car, never breaking eye contact with you. It is a menacing feeling. Quinn says, don't shoot the dog. Are you fucking kidding me? I love dogs. I'm just going to shoot her the evil look and go straight to the car. I'm maintaining eye contact with that dog watching where it's going. It seems though that it's kind of circling the house in the area. It seems like the dog is really paying attention and it's focused on you in a very disturbing way. On me or on us? On the collective you, everyone. What do you want with us? River, get in the fucking car. Let's go. The dog just stares. It does not answer back. Doesn't bark back. It just stares. I'll get in the car. It's not snarling. It's not showing its teeth. It's just head down, brow is pushed down, and its posture is menacing. River, we need to wipe down the store of our prints, at least. Shit. Do you want me to do it? No, I'll do it. And I'm just like, whoa, River swore. He does do that on occasion. You go into the store and you wipe it down. We're not going to have you roll another one. No, no need. You've rolled fantastic enough. You cleaned up the area. Are you going to unlock the front door? No. Are you going to keep the keys or return the keys to the desk? Can I, like, lock the door and close it after me? Yes, you can. I'll leave the keys in the desk. Yep, you can turn, like, the thing on the knob and then close the door behind you. All right. And you're going to leave it saying open? Yeah. You get back into the car. He made quick time. 
where to now, what to do, how to do. What time is it? About one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. I don't think we should stick around here. Oh, I'm already driving, heading casually towards Akron Road to get out of here. Get onto Akron Road and you head out of town. I'll check my phone reflexively to see if I have anything new from Reardon or if I heard back from Hernandez. You do have a voicemail from Hernandez. All right, I'll listen to it. I'm sorry, Special Agent Redacted. Um, I wish I could take your call. I'm sorry that I missed you. You could return my call at this number, and I would like to discuss with you our further steps and what we're going to do to rectify the situation. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Again, my phone number is... And he provides the phone number, and that's the end of the voicemail. You know, there's professional, and then there's covering something. I look at her as I'm driving. I assume she's in the passenger seat. Always. Like I said, I assume. And I go, so the leak isn't in the cops, the leak is the cops? What? You said professional, and then there's covering something. That was the general manager of the hotel, not a cop. Oh! So the leak isn't coming from the hotel, it is the hotel. Possibly. We'll find out. What you're saying is the phone call's coming from inside the building. I get a reluctant smile from Rowan, but she does smile. It's about that time that you guys pass onto the major road that goes into Yuma off of Akron. And it seems, though, that just by distance alone, a weight has been lifted off of your chest. Now, there's still the weight of seeing Albemarle Parish, but it's a little bit different. There's not that oppressive feeling that everyone was feeling. So that chuckle and that comment kind of fit and felt good. See? I am good for something. You know what that place feels like? Sitting at the bottom of the pool, with all that weight sitting on top of you. And Quinn just shakes her head. Yeah, it kind of does. There's something about that place. There's something, I mean, not to borrow a word, unnatural, about the whole place. I mean, the guy had gills. Yeah, it seems unnatural to me, too. Sure, but that could be a case of one person, you know, passing for human. That would be a one-off. But there's something about the whole place. I think we're going to need to be very careful when we come back tonight to do further investigation. Oh, fuck. I forgot we have to come back. Your phone rings. I look down at it. It's Reardon. Oh, good. Hello. Hey. How's it going? Not too shabby. Just tooling around doing some investigating. Alright, did you find anything new? So, we're doing some digging, and I wanted to have a chance to talk to the the next of kin for the Abril family, if possible. Do you know when they're coming into town to pick up the remains? I don't know right offhand, but I think they might be coming in toward this weekend. I could I could double-check, because I think they have to make an appointment to pick them up or have a, have a time window. Sure, that makes sense. I'll, I'll, I can call over to the crematorium and find out. That would be appreciated, thank you. And have you and your department done any digging into the Abril finances? Since no money was taken, we didn't really dig into that. Do you think that there's a, like, they were blackmailed or there was a financial crime involved? Blackmailed is a possibility. Also, we're trying to find out, I mean, since we found the nanny cam, you usually don't have a nanny cam if you don't have a nanny. But we didn't find any evidence of such in the house. So, finding out if there was someone who was being paid regularly, that may be a suspect. Okay. I can get on that. That's going to take a 
I don't think I can get that today, but we might be able to get that tomorrow. Um, I can call the DA. We're here at least until the weekend, it sounds like, so no no super rush on that. Okay. All right. Well, I'll see what I could do. I don't want to screw around too long on it. We had to let that Allen kid go, or the Raven kid. Yeah, I suspected as much after everything with his age. Yeah. Also, it seems as though that his alibi is really solid. That's what I'm hearing. Something else is going on. I don't know why a kid would come in and say that he was there when he wasn't. He's not trying to score any cool points with other kids. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is, and it's bothering me. If you could find that piece, let me know, because this is bothering me. Yeah, I completely understand. And yeah, we'll see what we can do to help fill in some of those gaps. That's bothering me, too. Because, I mean, I mean, why come in and admit to that kind of a crime? I've got a question for you. Do you know anybody that has uh, quicker access to facial recognition software that the FBI has? We're trying to see if we could run the nanny cam through through the databases and we would have crossed out to the, the national database and they said it would take a while. I figure maybe since you're on it, maybe you could reach out, find out, and uh, we can get that passed along to them. Yeah, if you, if you want to pass that footage off to me, I think I can get that taken care of faster. Awesome. We're going to do it by thumb drive. I don't want this on the internet. I completely understand. And I'll tip the phone down and look at Rooster. Yuma PD, please. Yes. I, I just grin at him before tipping the phone back up. Sounds like you're on your way. We should be very soon. Good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. See you soon. Click. So you guys do arrive. I presume you're going to the PD. Yes? Yeah. Rooster? I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, what, what time is it? Three o'clock, I said, right? Uh, you said you said it was about one thirty-two. So yeah, so two thirty. I'm hitting a drive-through. Okay. Coffee. Hit the Starbucks drive-through too, please. No seafood for me. <sighs> okay. Do you want the burger with fast food coffee, or do you want Starbucks food? Starbucks has good food. <laughs> Starbucks has decent food. Their sandwiches are great. I would say both the player and Quinn says that. <laughs> the the player says, "Yeah, Starbucks food is fine." Rooster's gonna go, fine, alright. It's not grease, but... I don't really have that much of an appetite right now. Come to think of, I'm pretty jittery without the caffeine anyway. Well, whether you got the appetite or not, you need fuel. We haven't eaten lunch. And I'll drive through the Starbucks. Yeah, and Rowan just looks down at her still very still hands and goes, I'm not jittery. And I should be. I tap the glove compartment again. What's in there? We're already in line for Starbucks. Come on. I'll lean over and open the glove box just because I'm curious. And there's a Starbucks mocha frappuccino in the glass bottle. I am genuinely shocked that hasn't exploded in the heat. Yeah, how warm would that thing be? You know what? (laughs) You haven't been there long enough for it to explode. It was the thought that counts, right? And the thought counts for a lot. Thank you. Fine. Now can you hand me the energy drink next to it? Here you are. So you guys get your food, get your drinks. Those that are eating, good. Those that are not eating, still kind of okay at the moment in time. And uh, you make it to the Yuma PD. The air conditioning is a nice change as you walk from the car to the the air-conditioned office. Yeah. And I do want to say that even though I'm in tank top and capris, I still have, you know, my badge in my pocket and my gun on my hip because there's no way I'm not. Detective Verdon is standing not far away from the door. She's dressed in a blazer and slacks. She looks over, looks you up and down, getting used to the town. Trying to dress appropriately for the weather, at least. 
she hands you the flash drive. Thank you. Detective Rudin, could I speak to you in your office for a moment? Sure. Thank you. And I'll glance at the others. Just give us a minute. And I'm actually, like, actively watching when we walk back to see if anyone in the bullpen or anywhere that we pass notes that I'm coming through. Give me an alertness roll. Sure. Uh, 38 out of 50. Okay. You see that a man's head, clean cut, you know, crew cut almost, mid-30s, kind of peeks his head up and, and looks and then puts his head back down, but keeps looking up every once in a while. Was it that same person that she talked to to get the, the pictures and everything? No. Okay. So I'll note him, like mentally mark his description. She walks in and closes the door. Yeah. She closes the door. She's standing there, not as though that she's going to take a seat. Can you trust me for one moment? Sure. And I'm going to start going through the office as an FBI agent who has placed taps before and looking for everywhere that I would put a tap, including the phone, the light switches, underneath a desk lamp, anywhere that there might be a listening device. Give me a criminology roll. We're getting all these cool skill rolls going on here today. And I have 50 in criminology and rolled a not nine. Wow. All right. You do find a tap on the phone. Okay. I'm going to hold the desk phone and hold it up and show her. She looks at that, and then she kind of motions for you to put it down. Put it down. Uh, how do you feel about coffee? Coffee sounds like a wonderful idea. I'll see you in about, uh, about a half an hour. I got some things I need to clear up. The usual place? Sounds like a plan. And she grabs a, her notepad. Actually, she grabs her phone. She texts to you, uh, meet you at the hotel. And I'll nod. I'll text back our current room number. Well, my current room number. All right. Anything else? That, I believe that's everything. Thank you so much for your time. Sounds good. Good luck with that. I appreciate it. I think uh, think we'll be okay with getting coffee. Hopefully nobody else minds. I'm sure they'll be fine. They know my habits. She opens up the door and kind of motions for you to leave. And I'll nod and head back out. And as I pass the others, I'll, I'll murmur, hotel. I'll go to the car and then say, you could have just told us in the car. Fair. Once we're behind tinted glass, I just like punch my thigh. Her phone's tapped. Mm. She's going to meet us at the hotel. We're going to have a chat. So the leak's not coming from inside the building. I think it is. And I'm going to, I will actually describe to them the person who tracked me through the building and say, I would put money that that is our leak or one of our leaks. Looks actually a little bit like you, Rooster, except, you know, cop, not Marine. So ruggishly handsome, charming. Tall, crew cut. Wow. If you want to go down to the base level, fine. No, I was adding to your description. Mm-hmm, 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 whatever you say. As you're making a left, you see a guy standing outside a coffee shop. Not a Starbucks, but another small coffee shop. And he's wearing aviator sunglasses, but he's also wearing, like, a white tank top, and he's fairly well tanned, and uh, he's got a black ball cap on with a Breckenridge logo. On his shoulder, it says Molanabe, which means take them from us. You also see other tattoos you recognize this guy as Womack from Brazil fuck Rooster what's wrong he nearly hits the car in front of him Rooster neo-nazi asshole from Breckenridge is here that I was with in Brazil okay wait he's not from Illinois is he I don't give a fuck where he's from I care that he's here because he was in on something bigger that is not good. Okay. Do you 
No, I'm not going to ask. You need to fill us in when we get to the hotel. Yep. Actually, I will fill you in on the way there, because if one place is tapped... I will be checking as soon as we get to the hotel. Okay. And on the ride there, Rooster provides the story. For those that are listening, they only hear static. Reason for the static is that will be a special to get later on. As soon as we get back to the hotel, I'm looking for the news van... And once I've determined whether or not the news van is there, I'm sweeping all of our rooms. You do see the news van is there, and she's sitting out front. It's parked next to your the Tahoe. There's other parking spots. Let's go find something a ways away. And you can get in because you guys have card keys, so you can get in the, ba- the side entrances and whatnot. All right. So as soon as we're inside, I'm going to be like, I'll take one room at a time and just start, start sweeping everyone's rooms. You should probably text Reardon that the news van is there. Hmm. I'll open my phone and hand it to Quinn. Text her, please. You're confident that there's no bugs in your room? My room? Everyone's room? Everyone's room. Okay. Everyone's room is clean. All right. So once I've cleared it, I'll come back to this. Okay. I think we're good. I just want to say this up front. Going after murder fish cult is one thing, but we can't kill people just because they have gills. And I'm going to say this up front, that I didn't kill him. If I had killed him, he would have had a bullet in his brain between his eyes. I pulled a gun because I wasn't trusting the motherfucker who knew my sister's name. Eric Allen Raven knew my family's name, and I didn't have to pull a gun on him. Yeah, well, maybe I'm not as smart and calm as you, but when we're in the middle of bottom of the pool fuck town and someone says my sister's name when they shouldn't know you know what a gun pointed at someone is a whole lot of help to intimidate and get answers if they don't have a fucking heart attack i wasn't trying to say that you killed him i'm trying to say that we can't go in and slaughter the entire town of mustang just because they're not entirely human right of course that's what you're saying And as they keep arguing, Quinn, because when Rowan swept her room, she took the opportunity to grab her laptop, bring it back with her, because I assume we're all just going back to Rowan's room, waiting for Reardon. So Quinn wants to sit at the desk, open up her laptop, and start looking up um, the children, William Marsh and Ada Lamb. And Google, you know, social media, LinkedIn. Yeah, give me a, give me a human roll. Let's roll better. Does Quinn mention the names of the children? In the car, she would have debriefed. Lamb. Okay, 52 out of 60. Success. You're you're able to find both of their social media, like, both of them have normal social media accounts. They actually have older brothers and sisters. Quinn, check to see if Ada is connected to anyone named Coral. She'll look at the family members, because, you know, Facebook has that. It says sister-in-law. And she'll pass that information along. Son of a bitch. But Coral Lamb does not have a profile at this time. Who's Coral Lamb? She was the member of the cult who gave testimony against others in exchange for a reduced sentence. And I saw her in court a few months ago to give a victim impact statement. This world is too goddamn small. Coinky dinks and shit. Hmm. Coinky dinks and shit. So Quinn will continue. Any name, especially if she gets, can get names of siblings, she'll research them as well. I mean, she'll be interested about locations. 
Most of them are like moved on, moved to the East Coast. A couple of them live in Florida. There's actually a total of eight siblings. So there's six others. You gather their names. They're inconsequential to the story. But Ada and William are kind of more components, if you will. Marine biology is what William graduated and got his degree in. Mm-hmm. Because of course it is. And because Quinn isn't as familiar with California geography, she'll look up the address for Ada to get an idea of where in California it's located. What's it called again? Welsh Landing. That feels familiar. Welsh Landing is west of uh, Santa Rosa on the on the coast. So she'll make a note that it's near the water. I was wondering, it does sound kind of like, you know, Chinese camp or any of those from the Gold Rush era. Yeah, kind of. Just north of Timber Cove. Ah, there. Ah, of course. I filled you in, so fill me in. That's north of Timber Cove, which is where the cult had me imprisoned for a month and a half. And not very far north either. So what you're saying is this isn't just cult worshipping the same thing. This is the same cult. Yeah, or at least very tightly connected. Because, I mean, now the Lamb family and Timber Cove, Welsh Landing... I've got a bad feeling about this. That's my line. Yeah, well, you stole it from Star Wars, I can steal it from you. And there's a knock at the door. I will go and look through the peephole first, because I've gotten paranoid. You see it's Rudin. She's looking around. I'll open the door quickly and let her in. And she looks around, and she looks at your phone, the room phone, and she points and kind of, like, makes a questioning body language. Okay. I'll flash a thumbs up and say, I've swept all of our rooms. We're clean. We just got those phones about two weeks ago. You've got a leak in, in the police department, and I'll describe the fellow who was tracking me through as as I was walking. I just wrote him up. I think that's why he was kind of paying attention to the FBI agent coming in there, but I will keep my eyes on him. Fair enough. You've got a serious leak inside your department. Someone who knew as soon as we did that the kid was underage and was able to pass that along to the media. I wonder if the kid's parents said anything. I don't know. If they popped it out early. You're right, and if you didn't show me that, I would I would say no, hell no. But, yeah. Yeah. I'll actually sit on the edge of my bed and gesture her to the desk chair because she's our guest. She sits down. The pictures, um, do you think you'll be able to get that to us soon? Yeah, I think so. And I'll, I'll pull out the flash drive and set it over by my computer. I have pretty direct access to that sort of software, so I, I should be able to run that. Doctor, what was your opinion of Raven? Is it something that we need to worry about? Is he going to, is he just saying these things to be cool and try to tie himself to something, trying to be famous like copycat, but on a lesser degree? It's hard to say from that one interview. I will say there were times in the conversation, I'm sure we all noticed when he wasn't quite himself. Yeah, that was a bit disturbing. Now we did videotape it, so we do have that recording. Right. But there's a... I think it might have to do with the phone or possibly what we found on the phone because there is a short time where it cuts, where time is lost. Who handled that video camera? I did. Did anyone else? Did anyone else have access to it? No, not that I know of because I went in after you guys left, looked it over. I didn't think about it until, you know, maybe yesterday. Just at the end there, he was talking about, I think he said three people went into the house and then he only said one name, Rodrigo something. She pulls out her uh, her thing. Uh, Rodrigo Callas. And you got anything on that name? 
he was a student. Um, he's underage. He's a juvenile. Was a student on the hockey team. Got booted off the hockey team. Wait, you've got a hockey team here? Is that field hockey? No, ice hockey. You've got ice here? Yes. Like I said when you met us, we worship St. Carrier. And she kind of smiles. There is a hockey team. I hate to say it, but those kids ain't that good. But, you know, they try. So why did he get kicked off? Apparently he was just too aggressive, stopped coming to practices. I talked to his coach afterward, and, and he was just dismissive of the kid. We sent somebody out to the house to see if we can get, you know, get a statement from him at the time. But he lives down in Mustang, and uh, nobody answered the door of the home. Do you have an address on that? She flips through the notebook, yeah. I'll pull out my notebook. She gives you the address. Copy it down. What do you know about Mustang? The type of community, it, is it the type where people have been there for generations? Yeah, it's a small, poor community. It's almost as though that, you know, like people living on the reservation, it, they don't have the best jobs, they don't get the best infrastructure, they're unincorporated. Um, they rely on the sheriff's department for their patrolmen. We get to go down there um, as part of a deal with the sheriff's department. Vandalism charges, stolen cars, a lot of stolen cars. Any graffiti tagging? Oh God, yeah. We honestly don't worry about it unless it pops up as being anything like cartel or, you know, MS-13. Anything that you can remember off the top of your head that is ocean-related? Since the phrase in there was sea to the sea? Yeah. Huh. There's a hotel down there that's all, like, sea-themed and can't remember what the name of the motel is there. But I think it's something ship-shape? Ship-ships ahoy? Was that the one with the pirate pool thing? Yeah, that place. River's on his phone and, and, and like, says, ship-shaped motel. And she's like, okay. To be honest, you know, with all of this, the Navy guys around, I'm not surprised. There there was the Naval Medical Annex out there, so a lot of folks came in. We're not that far from the Baja, and we're not that far from San Diego, so a lot of folks move out this way. Is that how Mustang got started with the Navy Annex? Or some re- other reason for having a town out there? No, I think it was built around the Navy, the medical annex or the medicine annex, that old building. Now the primary group that works out of there is the uh, Marine Corps Publication Company. It's a private company, but they're the ones that do a lot of the magazines and recruitment flyers. And Wait, they work out of the medical annex? No, no, they don't. There's a printer down there. That's where a lot of the folks work out of there. I'm sorry, I didn't make that, I didn't make that clear. Okay, I'm not sure what to make of that one yet. The publication... And stationary sure sounds interestingly connected, at least if this was the 90s. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, the publication, they are printers, so they probably do print up some stuff and send it on down to, uh, I think there's a stationary store there. I'm going to give Rooster a warning look at this point. I don't want us connected to anything with a stationary shop. Just like a quick glance out of the corner of my eye. Oh, good, I saw it. Yeah, all the, I mean, I'm, all the Navy guys, they move in, they kind of... You know, put it out they want. Uh, Doc, what a... You said, do you, do you think we... Oh, man, I don't know if we can get him in for another interview. Probably not without permission from his guardians or parents. And the folk down that way. And a lot of folks out here don't care for authority. This is the Wild West. And Quinn, she just quietly sits back in her chair and thinks to herself, I think we're going to have to go back to my deprogramming days. No, she does not say that loud. She thinks that to herself, but you probably see a stormy look on her face, like, because she's definitely fighting with herself on that. I'm used to seeing a stormy look on her face at this point, if she's looking at <laughs> but me. But this time it's not directed at you. Yeah, this is her warring with herself. 
And it looks different to me, so I'll note it and make a mental note to ask later. Brayden looks down at her notes. We've got the address on Callus. I don't know what else I can give you right now. But, yeah, it seems like it might be somebody in Mustang or the kids in Mustang. Well, I mean, I, how do you usually investigate juvenile crimes, I think? Just like adult crimes. Yeah. Just more carefully. The odds are those two kids must be involved with this somehow. It just doesn't make sense any other way. And But I doubt it's just kids. That's disturbing. We need to find out, you know, who they hung out with, who might have been influencing them. All right. Well, I got the rank of detective for a reason, so I guess I'm going to go go look. Is there a church in Mustang? I don't think so. Funny, those little tiny rural towns are usually pretty big on religion. Yeah. Now that you mention it. Huh. If it's anything like California, it should be. Yeah. Well, we will be doing some further investigating out in Mustang carefully, because... If someone is t- is wiretapping your phone, detective, someone has a vested interest in finding out what's going on and possibly keeping it from being known. Yeah, I don't like that. Or making it be too widely known. Okay. With my knowledge of wiretaps, did it look like something that... Redirected? Well, re- re- redirected, but also is it a, a type that a particular kind of group would use? Is it something that like a newspaper reporter or a television reporter would have easy access to, or would it be someone else? Someone else. Yeah, I don't think this is... If someone is using this to redirect to Price, they've got other agendas, because that, that wiretap was on the level of something I would place. Oh, that could change things a lot. All right, I guess I'm going to have to put in a wreck to get new phones in. Probably. Be careful, detective. Things might be getting a little bit more hairy than we anticipated. Copy that. Well, if we don't have anything else to discuss here, I think we've got some homework to do. Alright, I'll let you to it. I'll let you know as soon as I get anything off of the, the facial recognition program. Probably tomorrow morning at the latest. She gets up. She extends her hand to shake your hand. Not shake hers. She goes round to everyone. Thank you for your help. Thank you. Uh, I hope we can get to the bottom of this. As do I. I don't like where this is going. This does not just seem like poor family being killed now. No, and quite honestly, and I'll, I hope you take this in the, in the spirit it's meant, I did not anticipate finding something this big in Yuma. Oh, um, so the family is coming in Thursday, tomorrow. Nope, yeah, Thursday, tomorrow. Sorry, my lose track of days. I do that all the time. Yeah, they've got a, they've got a time window between uh, 1 and 4 p.m. Is that the Abril family or the Ryan family? Abril family. The the Ryan family's coming in? Don't they normally ship the remains of fallen soldiers back to their home base? Depends. I'll defer to Rooster on this one. He knows more than I do. The player doesn't. <laughs> but you're right. It does depend. It depends as to how they want to how they want to set it up. Okay. But apparently his family's coming here. Yeah. Well, it depends. Apparently his family's coming here. She exits, heads out. And I'll sit back and just cross my arms. <sighs> So we're looking at a cult that crosses the country and wiretaps police departments while leaking information to the press. None of this jibes with what I knew. Well, I guess it's time to do our homework. And River starts pulling out journals and hands them around to everyone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to bother doing the, the facial recognition stuff again because I already did that. But I'll, I'll give her the information that I got in like three or four hours and say I got a hit. Okay. I'm just going to look at these journals and go, man, 
Why is it always homework every day? <laughs> That's part of Delta Green, Boyle. Then I'll take one of the journals and start reading. What is the newest looking journal? What's the date on the newest looking journal? And what's the oldest that this goes back to? 2009 is the newest, and 1952 is the oldest. Whoa. She did not write on a daily basis. She wrote primarily on different times of the year. She wrote eight times a year, normally. There were a couple here and there, like offshoots, mostly kids' birthdays, husbands' birthdays. But the ones that kind of stick out are the uh, solstices and equinoxes. And she also talked about different types of moons. Each one starts off with the time of high tide in Innsmouth, Massachusetts. But does she write anything interesting on the She writes some really interesting stuff. Will I have to roll sanity if I read it? No. None of it is that type of interesting. More of a lot of neighborhood gossip. Juicy gossip. And, you know, you find out that Miss Dahlia from down the street apparently has slept with all of the naval officers, but her husband is away. But that's okay, because none of the kids look like the dad. But one of them has the look. Does she capitalize that? The look? Yes. And so, since they're spread out over so much time, it does take a while for you guys to read. And time goes by pretty quickly. She's a very good writer. Toward the end, her handwriting was really hard to read because she talked about, you know, some of her own medical issues. She talks about the doctor that comes to the house, Dr. Silvera. Have we heard that name? No. This is a brand new name. Apparently, Dr. Silvera birthed all of the children and was their family physician for years. Oh yeah, we're gonna find this person. Or we should. I don't know if we want to, but... None of this is a path of want, but it is necessary, I think. Yeah, I mean, I want to pick out, I mean, names like that, and also names that kind of show up as people respected or in authority. I also want to note if there's anything particularly interesting that she writes around the summer solstice, since we're fairly close to that now. In 2008, the year before she passed, she talks about the festival and getting around, and she hopes that the food is going to be good. She wants to prepare it for the next time. And you notice that when she refers to the next time, the next time doesn't mean the next time the event happens. The next time is the afterlife. So she knows she's dying. Seems to be. With that that information, that's what you gather when it comes to the solstice, when it comes to the, the names. You do get a bunch of names of people in town, River. You get quite a few. We can go ahead and we can list them in a handout for you later. I don't have them available for you. It's ready right now. She hopes that Ada is able to become involved and Ada is ready to take the third oath. At this time, Ada would be like 13. Do I know what she means by the third oath? No, you don't know. Rowan doesn't know. The player knows. Six, sick back, cross my arms. There's more? More what? What I... What I wrote before was all I know of the oaths. They, the cultists, they sang them pretty much all the time. There's two distinct parts in the oaths, and... I mean, there's a lot of swearing in them. I thought that was all there was to them, but... It sounds like there's another part now, and... And I close my eyes for a second, take a deep breath... 
you should probably actually hear it so you know what you're listening for. I give my life to the EOD. I are digging I am. The deep ones know what is best for me. I are digging I am. My oaths I swear never to betray. I are digging I am. The ancient laws over me hold sway. I are digging I am. The order has right to judge and try. I are digging I am. Punishing any failure or lie. I are digging I am. My faith in all things with the deep ones. I are digging I am. I will keep no matter what fate comes. I are digging I am. I swear never to resist their will. I are digging I am. My mind with their desire shall fill. I are digging I am. The deep one's secrets never to share. I are digging I am. To this I pledge, to this I swear. I are digging I am. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Laura Domingo, and I play Quinn. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the Handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 2 is based on the scenario Ex Oblivioni by Dennis Detweiler. If you like our story, there are many ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Victor Von B., Stephen Schwartz, Director Arayo, Jonathan Powell, and Ben Warner. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all the usual social media sites. The Redacted Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. This week, we have an extra special thanks to Alexander Hollins for writing Aya Dagan Aya. You could find more of Alexander's work at alexanderhollins.com. Hollins is spelled H-O-L-L-I-N-S. Thanks, Scrivener. Join us next week, because outside the bounds of reality lurk entities with names unpronounceable by the human tongue, creatures of hunger and rage that would like nothing more than to devour our insignificant universe. <laughs>